You're listening to KWBA 88.1 FM, Oregon Student Radio, home to news, analysis, and the hottest takes about Oregon sports and the flagship station of Oregon Volleyball. Roby slams it down. The Ducks keep dancing. The Elite Eight, here they come. Keep an eye on the schedule and tune in here or online at kwba.uoregon.edu slash listen-live whenever the Ducks take the court. Now live at 6 o'clock, KWVA Sports is broadcasting from the campus of the University of Oregon. That's the show. It's Quackmack. I like talking talking sports. Quackmack! What? Quackmack. Every Monday through Thursday at 6 p.m., the KWVA staff dissects all things Oregon athletics. <laughs> I'm, I'm experiencing life right now. I'm not sure how much more can be said. Now I'm on the show, and I don't know how long I'm going to be here. It's time for your nightly dose of Quack Smack. Now let's head into the KWVA Sports Studios for the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is a Monday edition of Quack Smack. A freezing cold day, but hey, we're all nice and warm in here. My name is Levi Berkthold, joined by Gavin Carpenter, Asanoda, showing up in production. Nice to see you here. It's uh, rare that I, you know, show up to my job. Rare. Rare that you show up. How are you doing, Gavin? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing pretty solid. Doing pretty solid. Uh, Gavin, by the way, great at asking the host how they're doing. Great. Uh, something that skill. not a lot right. A rare skill, by it's, the uh, way. You'd think it's it's common courtesy, but it you would think you would you really would think you would think. We were talking about Thanksgiving before we uh, hopped on because obviously it's Thanksgiving week. So I do want to know what oh, is oh, like. Oh, am I right? Not not quite. So close. <laughs> I have been listening to Chris music since October. By the way, it's just been that kind of year for me, um, uh, which is a lot. About do you know Leve, the artist? No. Leve released a Christmas album on I believe November first. Um, Who? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Was there any reason to that story? Did you no, I'm just saying I've been listening to it since November 1st. And my, like my hot take is that Mistletoe by Justin Bieber is the best Christmas song there is. And I'm not even kidding. I love that song. My hot take is that I think you can wear ugly Christmas sweaters at any time of the year. Mm. Like I wear, I have, uh, I have a, uh, a Darth Vader. Well, all your sweaters are ugly, aren't they? So they all just... <laughs> It's like two weeks in a row that you've just... I'm not even going to repeat what you said on air to me last week. My bad. What I do when I ask you guys is like... I know Gavin, you had mentioned that Thanksgiving was like a staple in your home. I, like what is the like the go-to like Thanksgiving tradition for your family? Because I don't really have one. The only one... This is the weirdest thing ever. When I was a kid, my dad had this like really nice like CD player because it was like, you know, then you didn't have the streaming service you have now. And during uh, Thanksgiving, he would put in... Um, this like Thanksgiving instrumental from this group called Wyndham City or Wyndham Hill or something like that, and it's just this, like really peaceful like kind of like orchestra music. Wyndham Clark, no, Skodux, Produx, no. And so <clears throat> that's the music for me. That's like Thanksgiving. Is that music to me, Gavin? What's like your go-to like Thanksgiving tradition? I mean, me and my mom usually get up and watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade up in the morning, and then okay. once my dad starts getting into the kitchen, that's when we start making some food i mean we've got it at this point in my house we've got it down to a science of Mm. like every single holiday i feel like gets a little bit different every year based on what's going on thanksgiving is the one that is always constant yeah and every single thing about it is perfectly planned out and it's just the agenda of like okay this is when things go in this is when things come out these are the dishes really like are you a schedule family like do you guys have a schedule (laughs) of the day no we just at that 
we're just, you just like no at some point. Yeah, yeah, it's just the way we've done things every year because it's always been perfect. And my mom, I called my mom on Saturday, and she was like, "What are we doing for Thanksgiving dinner?" And I'm like, "Is there th- anything that we're changing?" And she's like, "No, not really." And I'm like, "Great." And that was the entire conversation. So what is the what is the spread? What's the carpenter spread? All right, spread? ooh, here we go, here we go. Now I'm in. I love Thanksgiving. We it's are such no, a good I, holiday. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I'll have it over Christmas. I'll have it over roots, Easter. I'll have it over my birthday. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> really, the roots are not great. Hey, but, um, we're all change traditions here. Go yeah. Ahead, Kevin. So we are very much traditionalists in the way we do Thanksgiving. We've got the turkey. We've got the stuffing. We've got the mashed potatoes, the gravy. None of this mac and cheese nonsense. Like I'm a big fan of mac and cheese. That is mm, not on a Thanksgiving table. Mm. Um, cranberry sauce usually. My mom makes excellent roasted Brussels sprouts, mm. or so I've heard because I'm not a big Brussels sprouts person. Uh, I don't really uh, like them that much. I love but Brussels sprouts. We also do – um, we also have some asparagus. Okay. My yeah. aunt, she brings a rice dish. Um, really, it's – there's I think there's corn cake in the mix somewhere in there as well. But most of the time, it's really like when you think of Thanksgiving, that's usually what's going yeah. out in the spread. Yeah. Um, my thing is I, I legitimately like ham more than I like turkey. So you know, I, me too. I almost wish that we, sometimes I do want to swap out the turkey for ham. I wish there was a ham holiday. Well, that's Christmas. Christmas is the ham holiday. I mean, it's a Christmas ham. But like, nope. Just admit you were wrong. <laughs> do you have any uh, Thanksgiving traditions, Austin? No, no. I want you to keep going about your ham on Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm just like I love ham, and I'm like no, kind just of admit kind of wrong. mid on. <laughs> I'm kind of mid on turkey. You could like drown it in gravy to make it not dry. Personally, well, I mean, maybe you're just making the turkey. Yeah, trust me, I'm not exactly an expert in that area, so I usually don't make the turkey. Yeah. Um, but I do love me some ham. I love me some ham. I do too. Like, I I know a lot of people are like, you know, when you're when you're given the choice of your breakfast side, are you know either links or bacon. But I'm like, you if there's way too far. If you ham at breakfast, like you're no, wrong. like 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 sliced ham, really? No. I'm a big sausage patty guy. I love Ugh. sausage patties and also sausage links. But man, I love sausage. This is a, a real real tangent, but <laughs> Caroline. Station worker. Yes. Um, she gets veggie patties oh. at breakfast. Is not vegetarian. But that kind of fits her, though. I don't agree with it, but it makes sense. I don't know what you mean by that. It makes but, sense. But uh, I, I don't disagree, you know, now that you say it. Yeah. Side note, we're having a Friendsgiving. My friends are having Friendsgiving on Wednesday. Yeah. It's like a thing. But I was thinking. No, 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 no. Not Friendsgiving. Friends. Mm. That wasn't. That's <laughs> a payback for what you said <laughs> last week. But um, they decided as a group that we're not going to do traditional foods because everyone's going to have traditional foods on Thanksgiving. So we're doing uh, this like yeah, spaghetti it's dish. Good. It's nice. going to be really sick. Um, the only point of contention is, oh, should we do garlic bread? Or someone says that you can buy the Texas Roadhouse rolls. It's really good. So I don't know if we maybe should swap out the garlic bread with the Texas Roadhouse rolls. That's kind of the vibe. Yeah. That's kind of the vibe. Yeah. Moving on. I love Thanksgiving. Oh, so good. I, so uh. Good. So I'm not a huge turkey guy generally, but I really like leftover Thanksgiving turkey. Ooh, it makes okay. Really good sandwiches. Sandwiches, yes. Mm-hmm. The the post thing. Thanksgiving's the only holiday you get to enjoy for like weeks, days, because you eat the food afterwards. Right. It's really good. Turkey cranberry sandwich, yep. the greatest Ooh, thing. That's, there you that's go. my like. There you go. That's my go-to throughout the year. But now I get the like fresh off the like, like off, off the, the actual turkey, turkey itself. Yeah, fresh not off just, the turkey. Not just like gobble, the gobble. slices. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm excited. Gobble gobble, man. Excited. Oh, I've been big right, on my yeah. panini grind recently, obviously. Yeah, you, um, did you you gave me a banger panini earlier. Remember like a couple weeks yeah. ago? It was good. Yeah, it so was we, really so good. So it's Can't that. Confirm. I mean it's that it's that same idea of like turkey and but cranberry. Like fresh turkey. Except with fresh turkey. Mm. The uh, the best sandwich that I've ever had, Arguello Super in, in San Francisco, they have turkeys just like cooking on the rotisserie throughout the day and they will like just go cut off straight from the turkey and best throw turkey it on you ever sandwich. had? Uh 
Uh, probably. Yeah, definitely the best sandwich I've ever had. Well, probably the best quarterback I've ever seen, Bo Nix. Oh, yeah. That's what we call transition. Can I mute transition. you from here? Bo Nix. Uh, moving on past Thanksgiving, <sighs> let's talk about the Oregon Ducks. Um, that is what the show's about, unfortunately. So we have to we have to wrap up our Thanksgiving talk. Um, they, I guess you have to say they played Arizona State on Saturday, but that's a bit generous to the sport of football. Um, both teams were present at the stadium at the same time. Um, I was a little late this game. I was having breakfast with friends, so I, I intentionally didn't check the score until I got home. I got home, and it was, was it 42 nothing and a half? And I was like, oh, it's over. And then I watched the first half back, and 42 nothing. it could have been worse. Like, it was catastrophic. I mean, I don't even know. How much can you take away from this besides Oregon's really good and Arizona State's not really good? I mean, you can take – that was – Oregon's offense firing on pretty much every cylinder that is feasibly extant in a football game. And yes, we're obviously looking at this and going, the offense was absolutely perfect or effectively as close to perfect as you can get. Can you say really that much against Arizona State? No, at the very least, what you can take away is that we know that Dan Lanning is absolutely not going to just say, oh, well, this is a game that's probably not going to be very close. Let's not focus in on it too hard. They played them just as hard that as they would play Washington in a Pac-12 championship game, as they would play Oregon State on Friday, as they would play any team in the country. And that tells you at least a little bit of something about how game day prep works and how the prep works for this team. I, I will say I think the greatest compliment I can give to this Oregon coaching staff is that they are ready to go every game 100%. Like, they were a little slow to the Stanford game. Um, but yeah. beyond that, they've been – like. I, I think when I think of and again I'm I'm not one of those Oregon fans that just randomly turns around and bashes like Mario Cristobal and his staff. However, I do think one of the staples of that program was they played down to their competition, yep. which Agreed. was just like they would beat bad teams, but Tell they would em. beat them in a, a a manner that you should not beat a bad team in. One of the staples that we are seeing with this Oregon team is they blow the wheels off yeah. of people. I think the thing that I've kind of noticed most about the difference in this regime from the last is. I hear a lot of other teams where it's like, oh, they're undefeated through six weeks, but it's like they've been winning by three to five points. And like Florida State, watching them every week, it's like that feels like what it was like watching Oregon in 2021, where, okay, they beat Cal, but also it was by a touchdown. Okay, they beat Arizona, who literally was calling for walk-on tryouts in the middle of the year, but it took a touchdown with eight minutes left by Anthony Brown to, to get that win. Yeah. Like, Oregon... This Oregon team, the, the the kind of one foundational piece that I have from, from that year is in the game against Colorado, who was horrendous that year, uh, still is. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I just, I hate them. Um, but in the game against Colorado, Anthony Brown was benched, I believe in the middle of the third quarter. Ty Thompson came in, was horrible, but they had to bring back Anthony Brown. This is not a team that will ever have to put their starters back in. Yeah. And I think that says something. Yeah. Um, this team has only played two one-possession games all year. Um, obviously, they lost to Washington. They lost by three, and they beat Texas Tech by eight. Um, a couple close games in there. USC, they beat them by nine, so that's not technically one possession, but it, it felt close. Um, and I forgot the Washington State game was a, a two-touchdown game, but it felt a little closer for, for a good portion of that game. It just felt tight. And both of those games were the opposing team coming back later to make it closer than the game was for yeah. a large portion That's of That's fair. That USC was like a comeback style. Yeah. It just changed the complexion of the game. Um, it's just, I don't know, that it's, it's really impressive. And I think it's a credit to the staff. It's a credit to the players. Like, they, they know how to play. Yeah. And I think that that 
And again, I, I'm not one to compare teams to Georgia or Michigan. But like that's a Georgia or Michigan thing where they blow teams out of the water and it's never close. Now, less so Georgia this year. They've had some snoozers, but like I think no. Of, but of late, uh, like, they hit their stride. And, and the mentality is still the thing that is there. I think. They've hit their stride, right. and I think the mentality of this team is so aggressive. Um, it's just I love it. Honestly, I absolutely love it. This team came out and they scored touchdowns on their first six possessions. Um, and then they really did take the foot off in the second half. They scored a touchdown. The starters were out after one series. Um, it was it wasn't even close. Um, yeah, I want to talk about Bonex, um, and I want to talk about the Heisman. Uh, full disclosure: coming into this year, in my heart of hearts, I didn't think Bo was an elite quarterback. <laughs> I thought he was like a pretty solid, a really good. You thought game he was manager. like a tier two guy. Yeah, I thought he was a really good game manager yeah. who probably wouldn't lose you games, but also probably wouldn't win you games. And I was like, you put him in the right system with a great run game and a good defense, like could win you a lot of games. I think I've been so pleasantly surprised. I'll be the first to admit I was wrong on Bo Nix. I mean, obviously he is those things. He won't lose you games. Uh, his floor is exactly what I thought. We talked about this last week, right? His floor is exactly what I thought it was. His ceiling is so much higher than I thought yeah. it was. I would have never thought that Bonix would be in the Heisman conversation. He's now he was the Heisman favorite. I think today Jaden Daniels kind of bumped him a little bit. Jaden Daniels had an otherworldly game, um, but I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the Jaden Daniels versus Bonix versus Michael Penix. We'll throw him in there. Penix has the head-to-head over Bonix, and let's not pretend like that doesn't matter. Like it does. The head-to-head matters, <coughs> which is why the hypothetical rematch, assuming Oregon wins on Friday, which we'll talk about a little later in the show, is going to carry a lot of Heisman weight as well. Um, but Jaden Daniels is just not someone I really thought was going to do it. I, actually after well, LSU stum- stumbled, I really thought that his kind of Heisman campaign was over. But we, we throw around the t- term video game stats a lot. He is like legitimately putting up video game He's stats. Been it's been absolutely insane. Now the caveat to that is he did play the entire game versus I think it was Georgia State, um, so that's that's the caveat versus Knicks who obviously played a half plus a series and put up some crazy numbers. So I guess I I want to open the floor as far as the how much does winning matter for the Heisman because obviously LSU what three losses this year um, they're a three loss team who's not in conference title contention obviously not in national title consideration versus Oregon, who is in the thick of the national title race and the Pac-12 race. You can take that both ways. You can say Nix is a winner, and so he should get the benefit. You can also say Oregon has the better roster, so Jaden Daniels is doing more with less. I saw that tweet. I'm sure you guys saw it too, which was if you take Nix off the Ducks, they're a 10-1 team. If you take Daniels off the Tigers, they're like a 5-4 five and and team. Yeah. So – I I tend to push back a little bit on the good stats, bad teams, guys, because I think that like winning matters. But I also understand that like it is true that the Ducks have a significantly better roster than the Tigers. Where do you stand on that? I mean, I'm let's first let's just say that Jaden Daniels' numbers have been. I mean, like to the point where even if we talk about okay, yes, he did play the entire game. Yes, he was playing against a decidedly slightly below average. It's a 500 Sun Belt team, which is what Georgia State effectively is. They're not going to be expected to win that game. They're not expected to be in a close game there. And they did leave him in the entire game. And it was fairly, I think, I don't think there was any question that that's exactly what they were trying to do. Was trying Run to pad his score. stats. Yeah, pad yeah. stats. It was, it was a stat pad. It was 56-14. to 14, He played the whole game. Yeah, there's no fundamental reason why they needed to keep him in, especially because, they, granted, they do have that opportunity. They don't have to worry about him getting injured because, realistically, they're most likely either going to maybe possibly get into a New Year's Six Bowl if some weird things occur, or just not make a New Year's Six Bowl. So they can. 
have him in and not have to worry about injuries, whereas they're going to take Knicks out immediately because we might need him for more significantly more games with significantly more risk for him later in the season. And to me, the thing about the stat padding, the stats are only the stats only go so far as the teams that they've played. And when you look at LSU, to me, when they've played a good team, his numbers haven't been as high. When they've played a good team, they haven't won the game. And yes, their defense is bad, and wins aren't a QB stat, but he's had the opportunity to win the game, and he hasn't. If you give me, fundamentally, if we want to talk about who has had the best stats, then yes, you can say Jaden Daniels. But the Heisman is not about the best stats, it's about the best player. And the best player is not who threw for more yards, it's who do you want when the game's on the line and you've got to go 80 yards in a minute 30. I'm not taking Daniels in a minute 30, I'm taking Knicks because I am reasonably confident that Knicks will not make a mistake. I cannot say that J- Jaden Daniels can run 80 yards on a play, but I don't think that and on any given series, on any given day against any given team, I'm taking Daniels without knowing what the situation is. I'll take Knicks over him any day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of how I feel, too. I think the the thing about Jaden Daniels is he's literally their only player. Like, I mean, that 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 isn't true whatsoever. But, but like, he is... They are LSU, to clarify. <laughs> this is not... He's not dragging Rutgers to <laughs> I mean, a title they, here. They, they have two elite receivers. I, I understand this. But I he is their... Obviously, their top passer, but he's also far and away their top rusher. Oregon averages almost as many runs with their top two running backs as LSU does with their entire rushing offense that isn't Jaden Daniels. So yeah. it's like, like he is, you you know there you know he is going to be involved in every play. I just think I, I think winning matters so much, and I think at the end of the day, Bo Nix has won, and it's not like his numbers are bad, but like it's not like we're talking about a guy. I forget who it was, but like I think it was Jason White, the, the like 2000 Heisman winner. Um, give me like two seconds to pull this up. Here we go. Um, this is great radio content right here. Right, yeah. The, it, <laughs> if only you could type faster, dude. It, we it, did a typing test before this, and I dog walked him. It wasn't even <laughs> close. It uh, it wasn't Jason White, but um. So I I don't really know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> 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 um, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna move on to the next. Oh, point. here we go. No, 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 here we go. It was <laughs> it was Eric Crouch in 2001 who had who finished with uh, about 1,200 yards and 19 touchdowns on the ground, but also threw 10 interceptions and only had seven passing touchdowns. And I recognize that was like a, a very different uh, time of college football, but like. We're talking. We're, we're not talking about Bo Nix. Like he has bad numbers. Like he he's yeah. he he protects the football. He plays efficient. He is like passing percentage or completion percentage. Jesus. Like this is still one of the most elite quarterbacks uh, in in the sport. And I going to Michael Penix. I, I don't know if we want to talk, touch on that more. I just I don't think there's any shot with how bad he's been the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Penix has really faded down the stretch now. I think that no one's saying Bo Nix doesn't have good stats. I think they're saying that Jaden Daniels has astronomical stats. Yeah. And he does, to be clear. So Daniels does, as of today, have a narrow edge in the odds. I think the caveat that people forget is that the voting um, and the uh, actual Heisman is on December 9th, which means that that's after the conference championship games, but before bowl season starts. And I think it's going to be key because even if Daniels in the final LSU game of the season, which is against A&M, even if he plays well 
and Knicks plays well against Oregon State, I think that Knicks, if he plays well, if Oregon makes the Pac-12 championship game, gets that extra game boost, right? Because voters are going to watch what Knicks does in the Pac-12 championship game if he gets there, and they're going to not watch Jaden Daniels. So I think, honestly, the difference in this race might just be who plays last. And the fact that Knicks plays last and the Ducks play last, if they beat Oregon State, which we'll talk about in a second, I think is a, a game changer, frankly. He's also just... I'm, I. I, I don't think we can discredit enough how much voters love a winner. And yeah. and Jaden Daniels just isn't a winner on the level of Bo Nix right now. I mean, honestly, the dude threw for 400 yards and six passing touchdowns in one half and somehow managed to lose odds on the Heisman. Yeah, um, which is insane. Which just shows to show you how big those – but realistically, when you look at voters, to me, I don't think that losing three games out of 12 – is going to be especially when we talk about okay they've got to wait until after the conference championship game to make that decision. If Bonix avenges his only loss, let's also remember that Penix, who was a Heisman contender, who was I believe the Heisman favorite at the time oh, when they yeah. played Washington yeah. the first yeah. round, yeah. um, he outgained him, he outplayed him according to statistics. So to me, Jaden Daniels can do whatever he wants against Georgia State from a numbers perspective, yeah, and he can put up however many rushing yards he wants because they're not running the ball with any actual running backs over at LSU, <laughs> yeah. But fundamentally, we're talking. You want to talk about okay? He did some. He did um, 350 passing yards, 200 rushing yards. That's a record. But also, let's think about the fact that Bo Nix is th- completing the ball at a rate that nobody has ever seen before. This is not. This is he is effectively doing. He's also creating a record here, and I think when you look at Jaden Daniels, I see a lot of flash. When I see Bo Nix, I see a player who I want on my team. I think Jaden Daniels can win a game without anybody around him, I think Bo Nix is the difference between a good team and a championship winner. And that's the difference for me for a Heisman race, is Jaden Daniels is a great player. Bo Nix is the guy you want in your team if you're going to go make a run for it. And that's to me, is the difference. Yeah, I, I, always, I always think that like people underestimate how much storylines matter. And I think that like, the revenge storyline for Nix is going to be huge here. Um, the Oregon-Washington uh, rematch is going to be a huge story, and I think that having Knicks beat the guy who beat him and like take the metaphorical yep. crown from him. I think that's going to, that's going to change the complexion of, of the race, t- to be honest. Um, really quickly, I want to take a more macro view of Oregon football. As far as the offense goes, this, I, I we are approaching best offense in the nation territory. Um, again, I'm not saying Arizona state's a powerhouse for any stretch of the imagination, but what they did to Arizona state was just complete domination. I've watched, a weird, weird, weird amount of ASU football this year. Like, I've watched probably upwards of 16 full quarters of ASU football. Their defense is good. Like, they have they have playmakers on defense. They game plan unbelievably well. And you have to expect that Kenny Dillingham was ready for these Ducks. I think the Ducks are just better. I, I mean, and that's – we know that, obviously. That's not a hot take by any means. But I think the, the amount that the Ducks were ready for Arizona State, especially on the offensive end – was unbelievable. I did. I would not have been surprised if this was like a like a. I realize it's still a lot of points, but like a like a thirty-five to ten game. The fact that they put up forty-two and a, and a half was unbelievable for me because just the level of preparedness that Dan Lanning has his guys is is impeccable. I think this is top two offense in the nation and not number two. 
<laughs> well, right now they are the second highest scoring team in the nation as far as points per game, behind only LSU. Ironically enough, um, obviously there's a lot of things we can say about Oregon defense. We want to that now. They're second in the nation in scoring defense, second in the nation in total offense. Sorry, scoring offense, total offense behind LSU. And obviously LSU's not in the same realm of of, of total team that Oregon is. I mean. I think there is something to be said for strength of schedule. And we've kind of talked a little bit about this on uh, off air, Austin. But I, I had a moment this weekend where I realized that Oregon has not beaten a team that's currently ranked yep. right now because Utah fell out of the rankings. Washington State fell out of the rankings. USC obviously has fallen out of the rankings. So they, uh, Colorado, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Is Colorado out. the worst team in the Pac-12? Arizona State is still there. I think Arizona State's terrible. They had a running back and quarterback, and he wasn't a good quarterback either. They also had a tight end at quarterback. This is true. Um, I think that they also had Trenton Borgay at quarterback, <laughs> which might be worse <laughs> than the other two. <laughs> I just think that I think there is something to be said for strength of schedule, but I think Oregon is up there as far as best offense in the nation. Just real quick. Yeah, and I mean they're first in SB plus right now over LSU, despite trailing them in both yards per game and points per game, and. To me, the thing that makes this offense better than any other offense, and I will say that they are the best offense in the country, the thing that makes them the best offense in the country, LSU's offense is Jaden Daniels. This team is balanced. They are second in terms of passing yards per game while also putting up 200-plus yards per game on the ground as well, minimally from Bo Nix, despite the fact that we know he can run. Yeah, he, he hasn't, hasn't run even needed to. Yeah, They have not. We talk about, oh, Jaden Daniels can run Bo Nix can't. No, Bo Nix can run. He just hasn't needed to yet this entire year yeah. because they have not required it because their running game has been that good. And to me, that's what makes the difference between this team and literally any other team in the country is this team can go any direction you want, any play that it wants, run, pass, however you want to do it, and they will still be successful with all of the playmakers that have. We talk about Bonix for the Heisman. You've got the two-handed monster running back. You've got Troy Franklin. You've got the t- very talented wide receiver core around um, Bonix as well. To me, there is no weak spot in this offense at all. Yeah, Oregon, breaking news, really good at football. Really good at football. Uh, we're going to take a break here, and because it's rivalry week, we're just going to jump right back into Oregon football. I want to do a deep dive in the Oregon-Oregon State game coming up here right after the break. And just a level of concern if you're an Oregon fan, going against a, a really solid Oregon State team that just fell to Washington. We're going to take one more break here in KWVA 88.1 FM. KWVA. KWVA. Frightened you missed your favorite moments on Quacksmack? Well, worry no more. Our KWVA website has you covered. All past episodes will be posted to our website along with an outline for what the crew talked about during the show. So head over to kwva.uoregon.edu slash category slash sports slash quack dash smack for more. KWVA is proud to be the broadcast affiliate of the Bushnell University Beacons. Darts his way inside, puts it up, and the foul. He flexes with the strength. Keyshawn Dawkins is able to put it down, and the Beacons are rolling. If you like what you hear on 88.1, your favorite broadcasters also take the airways for Beacon Volleyball, Basketball, Baseball, and Softball. Live broadcasts can be found at portal.stretchinternet.com slash Bushnell. Once again, that's portal.stretchinternet.com slash bushnell. 
You're listening to KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM. If you're looking for some of our best calls, Line drive, left field, see you in the supers! And it's high fives for version five! Our daily schedule, big fly to center field, taking Gindelsberger to the warning track, and it's gone! Or some of the other fun stuff we've got going on, head to our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at KWVA Sports. This is Travis Tyke, former assistant sports director at KWVA. Cheers! You're listening to Quack Smack. Welcome back. 28 minutes down, 32 to go. As we uh, cool real down vibe-y. a little bit. Real vibey, real vibey song. Um, it's rivalry week here in Oregon. Uh, Oregon, Oregon State. Um, might not have bigger mm, odds. Good than this. intro. Just, good intro. I just, it might not have bigger odds than this. Last year we were kind of in the same spot where if Oregon wins in the Pac-12 championship game, obviously Oregon State cr- crushed those dreams. Twenty-four straight runs later. Mm. Um, tough one. Tough one. Oregon State returning. Um, this this time it's in Eugene. Oregon sitting in that that two touchdown favorite zone, which is surprising. Um, Oregon State coming off a really tough loss to Washington. They lost twenty-two to twenty. Those two points courtesy of a safety in the first half, which is just a tough, tough way to do that one. Um, high snap on, on a punt, and then lose by two. Uh, heartbreaker for the Beavers. They're not 8-3. and three. They came into the uh, game 11th in the playoff rankings. I think they're going to fall a little bit. Um, but I guess the thing I've been telling the Duck fans in my life is, like, do not underestimate this, this Beaver squad. They are so deep. They are incredibly talented. They are a power run team. I have a lot of concerns about their quarterback. Um, and by concerns, I mean I don't think he can throw the deep ball very much at all. Um, but I guess we'll start off by this. Um, how surprised were you guys by the line? Keep in mind, Oregon State entered that Washington game sitting at about a one-and-a-half-point favorite. The Beavers were favored in that game, funny enough, in Corvallis. Um, in Eugene, Oregon sitting at a two-touchdown favorite. Now, obviously, some, something needs to be said for home field advantage. Like, that matters. Um but I was I was pretty surprised by the two touchdown favorite, even though I have a lot of faith in this Oregon squad. And I mean, the two touchdown line—that's what I would say. And I'm an Oregon fan, so I was shocked that Vegas was actually going to agree with me because usually they're at least a little bit more conservative on that line than I am. But I mean, what it really comes down to is three things to me. One, Washington had not looked very good c- down the stretch coming into that game. Two, that game was at Oregon State, and the Oregon State, frankly, had looked almost as good as Washington coming into that home field advantage. We talk about usually with the lines that's a three-point um, boon towards anybody who's got the home field advantage, which means that arguably Washington would have been favored on a neutral site. And Autzen has just been very difficult for anybody to play in this year whatsoever. Plus, the Ducks, of course, have been playing out of their minds for pretty much every single game of the year. To me, it comes down to that home field advantage for Oregon – and that's what's going to make the difference between what may have been a six, seven point line versus a 10, 11, 12, 14 point line by the end of the, by the time the books close. Yeah. And I think the, the implications of this game are huge. So going back to the point where we talk about how much faith we have in Dan Lanning, getting his squad ready to play for the bad games, the quote unquote, you know, lower games. Um, do you think they're going to be amped up for an Arizona state game? Wait till it's packed full championship on the line. Oh, and by the way, this team knocked you out of the conference race last <laughs> year too. I mean, there is no, no shortage of motivation for this Oregon squad. I think we're going to get the best version of the Oregon squad. However, 
we are also getting the best version of this Oregon State squad. Um, they are equally as motivated, and they are very, very ready to play spoiler. Jonathan Smith has his, is going to have his squad ready to go, and I think they don't come out flat. I think both teams are going to be firing all cylinders. Um, and I think the, the quarterback duel is going to be interesting. DJ uh, transfers to Oregon State from Clemson. Going to be the uh, – Yep. Thanks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, going to be the next big thing. And uh, the more Oregon State I watch, the more I lose faith in his ability to push the ball down the field. He's an incredible runner. He's a credible athlete. Um, but Washington was stacking the box against him, against that Oregon State run game, which we'll talk about here in a second. And uh, DJ went 15 for 31 for 164 yards and two interceptions. So that's tough. That's really tough. I think my gut tells me the quarterback duel might decide this game, and that duel favors Oregon considerably. Oh, 100% favors Oregon. And the real question is, honestly, it's more of Oregon's passing offense versus Oregon State's rushing offense. I feel like that's the best way to characterize this. Because when you look at Martinez, when you look at DJU and what he's been able to do on the ground as well, this is a team that would rather run you than pass on you. And to me, that's the biggest thing for me is what can Oregon do to stop that? That's what they weren't able to do last year. Mm. What have they learned from that? What are they? This is also... Oregon State is not a playoff-caliber team, but they're still a very good team. You're going to have to face teams like this if you want to be in the playoffs. And if you look at Michigan, Michigan is almost what Oregon State can do with a full recruiting cycle and one of some of the best recruits in the country, some of the best athletes in the country, not to knock on any of the Beavers, but if these are, te- these are teams that you're going to have to play later that are better than Oregon State, so how can you deal with this now so that you know how you can deal with this later? And to me, that's the biggest thing is how can they hold up against that rushing attack and can they limit DJU through the air or is he just going to limit himself? And also the play calling out of Oregon State has not been fantastic, making sure on the run. And that's what I'm – I'm as an Oregon fan, I'm scared that they will fully commit to that run game and make sure that they can just – if they can just get it through, that they're just going to keep hitting you and hitting you and hitting you and how can Oregon respond to that and adjust through the game as they're running and see how they can actually hold up as a defensive unit. Yeah, I think Damien Martinez is one of the better backs in college football, and I think he's a little underappreciated just because like it's Oregon State, to be honest with you. Um, they're an 8-3 and three squad that's going to be a top 15 squad, but I think he's, he's incredibly talented, and he is a big, bruising, physical back. And, I, I mean, looking back over Oregon's schedule, when is the last time you really saw a team like, oh, this is a power run team that's going to try to run the ball down your throat? You know what I mean? They really – haven't seen that yet this year as i mean they can't handle it but even most of the games they're getting up so early so heavily the other team abandons the run anyway so like i i just don't know if oregon's face this kind of rush defense russian offense how do you think austin the rush defense holds up against i mean a true power run team i think it'll be difficult and that's why i was kind of surprised about the line because i do think it's going to be like Oregon State is going to try this, try to slow this game down and do what they did last year, where they ran the ball twenty four. I think it was twenty four straight times. times it was like half, four straight drives. Unbelievable. The ball. Um, I I I think it's going to be difficult because one of the problems that you run into when you have a Dan Lenning style defense, where especially in kind of that in that in the linebacking core, it's not the biggest and strongest linebackers like Jamal Hill, um, Justin Jacobs. Uh, Jeffrey Boss, obviously, they're all fantastic. They've all done a great job this year. But those aren't your big 6'2", 250 Noah Sewells that 
you like just have a nose for the football and, and it's it's see running back hit running back this is your sideline to sideline we're going to be able to defend we're, we're going to be able to get out and pass coverage and I do think that a team like this a power run team like Oregon State with a fantastic offensive line I think it almost benefits them that said Oregon's defense is really good their defensive front is great the defensive line is super strong I think they'll be fine but I do I, I would not be surprised if some some problems are posed this weekend for the Ducks you know, right now, Oregon sitting at 10th as the 10th best rushing defense in the nation statistically. Again, however, the caveat to that is when you're blowing teams out by 40, they tend to rush the ball less. Um, so those numbers might be a little inflated just by how good the offense has been. And honestly, that might be the best argument for Oregon winning this game is if they put enough points up in the board early, you might force Oregon State to get away from the rushing attack and like basically dare them to beat that you guys through the air, and that and if, if it's a track race, I'm taking Oregon all day every day. I think Oregon State wins this game like 24-21. That's their kind of style of win where they're just gonna grind it out, keep it in the 20s, and and pull it away that way. Oregon wants to win this game in the 30s, and that goes without saying they want to score a lot of points, but especially in this matchup, the speed and the high tempo. I think I I don't think Oregon State can keep pace. Um, with with this Oregon offense when it's running on on, on all cylinders. Um, the other thing is I think that if Oregon State gets their way and if they're able to grind out the clock, I think possessions are going to be at a premium. Oregon is really good at not turning the ball over. Um, so that benefits Oregon. On the flip side, the Beavers have the second best uh, red zone offense in the nation. They are incredibly efficient when they get the ball. It's just a, a, a clash of two styles, and sometimes it is as simple as, like, which, which style wins. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's that simple. Yeah, no, 100%. And to me, that's the big thing about this game is making sure that, from a stylistic perspective, Oregon State is a very specific style. And to make sure you're able to counter that style, to make sure – we talk about, you just said, making sure they score 30, 35 points. That's my range as well because anything higher than that, and if you're a power run team, we've already seen that their passing attack is not nearly – of enough quality to keep up at that pace if you can get to that around that 35 point margin that is exactly where you need sure you want to get more you want to look good especially against a team of this caliber especially if a defense of this caliber you want to make sure that you get those resume points but realistically 35 should be enough where a power run team especially of this talent they are a slower team they like to keep uh possessions at a premium yeah at washington during that washington game um they had 37 minutes of total possession time during that game only scored 20 points Granted, their offense was not running on full cylinders, but realistically to me, they have they take a lot of time to do a little bit of scoring. So to me, if I'm looking at what what does Oregon need to do, Oregon needs to make sure if they get out to that lead early, not only are they going to try and take away from that rushing attack because then they have to throw the ball to catch up quickly, you might just simply outpace them whatsoever and not even give them the chance because their passing attack is not good enough to get them to that number that late in the game. Yeah, and I, I just keep going back to last year. Um, Austin, you and I were at that game, and I think the thing that really goes un, under-told about that game how is great how, Ben Goldbranson was. No, not that. Um, <laughs> how bad Oregon special teams were. Oh, yeah. I, I think there were three major mistakes in special well, teams. The, there was a fumble. There was the a kickoff. Chris Hudson one. There, there was a fumble. He, like, and they took, took the fumble out. and yeah, lost yeah. it at the 10-yard yeah. line. There was a botched snap. I mean, special teams flipped the game last year. I have a lot more faith in Oregon and the margins. And by the margins, I mean special teams. I mean, like, the little things than yeah. I do 
than I did in the squad last year. Camden Lewis kind of in his own separate area right now. He's struggling. But I think that I have a lot of faith that Oregon will not just cough up three catastrophic special teams errors yep. like they did last year. No, I 100% agree. I just think it's a more disciplined duck team right now. And I think that there there's a lot that, that, that can be said there. Um, the return game, like we haven't seen many explosive, big explosive plays last year, but we also haven't seen any mind-numbing mistakes like we did last year where it's like, okay, what are we doing here? Um, GBJ has been good. Um, Nico Reed's had some cool moments, but like, again, I, I do think the report with Chris, Chris Hudson the last two years was always, you're going to get those big, you're, you're going to get the booms. But with that, like you will have the plays where it looks like it, it, where it just flips the game. It right. flips the game. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so the good, the, the highs are high, but the lows are low. And I don't think the Ducks have that with their special teams unit right now. And I think with how good they are on offense and how solid they've been on defense, like I don't think you need your special teams unit to be game-changing. You just need them to be good enough. And I think that's exactly what the Ducks are. Like, again, it's not that they're bad, and I think that's perfect. I have in the, in the outline, I just wrote, how scary is this Beavers team? Like, full question. Because on one hand, I, I honestly cannot decide. Because on one hand, I have so much faith in this Duck squad. This is the best Duck squad I think I've ever seen in my life. And, like, this is up there with those national champions. This is up there with the 14 team. Like, this is an amazing Duck squad. Is They're it crazy, just, by the way, that they were ranked 16th to start the year? That is crazy. So I Sorry, I just I saw that today, that and I was like, that is insane. Yeah. Um, on one hand, I have so much faith in this Duck squad. On the other hand, I've watched enough college football to know what happens on rivalry week. And we keep talking about how Dan Lane's going to get his guys up. Like, Oregon State is out for blood. And, like, they, I, I again, from my experience with the Oregon State fans in my life, they blame you. Oregon for, exactly, they blame Oregon for essentially ruining the Pac-12. And I think that it is an underrated aspect of rivalry. Like, oh, they hate each other. And so I just, I guess I'm scared of the of the unknown and I don't know how concerned the average Duck fan should be of this game. I mean, it's a rivalry game. They might as well, if they were three and eight, I'd be just in, just as concerned <laughs> as I am now. They could have not lost a single game. They could have not won a single game. They could have not lost a single game. They're gonna play as just as hard. They're gonna be just as concerning to me no matter what. I always look at this game every year. I've been a Duck fan my entire life. Every year, doesn't matter how good we are, doesn't matter how matter how good they are. I'm always looking at this and I'm going. Oh no, we got Oregon State. Yeah, and to me, that's the biggest thing for this is that you look at that. I don't really think that you can use anything that Oregon State has done this year and say this is indicative of what the Ducks gonna happen for this game. And that's the biggest thing for me is that whatever they are going to play at their absolute best this game. You can guarantee that you are going to be getting the Beavers' best for four quarters for sixty minutes this game, and anything less than sixty minutes of the Ducks' best football concerns me we could get 60 minutes of the ducks best football but i even when i know that this team is this good even when i know that this team is one of the best teams in the country even when i know that this team has the best chance of winning a national championship i would argue even more of a chance since 2014 i would argue this is the best chance since undefeated going into that bcs championship game against auburn to me i'm always concerned about this game and i'm always looking at this game as going Yes, they're a good team. Yes, you can get resume points here. The goal is survive. Because fundamentally right now, we want to, everybody talks about, oh, the four-team playoff. We're so glad that we're expanding it in. 
the four, this is not a four-team playoff. We're in the playoffs right now. We lose, we're out. That's it. We win, we're in. We lose, we're out. All the way up to the national championship game. This is the first game of the playoffs. This is the first. You, yeah, you've got to be ready. You've got to be playing like this is the playoffs because otherwise they're going to bite you and they're not going to let go. They're just going to steamroll you and strangle you until you are completely wiped out. Yeah, Austin, where are you as far as like your gauge of, of concern? Because I, I, I cannot very, get the very, 24 runs. Very. I cannot, I cannot very, stop imagining Oregon yeah, no, State I have nightmares about ru- that. rushing just you know 250 yards, and it's a 37 minutes of possession, 24-21, you know, that type of thing. I, yeah, I just no, can't get I, out of mind. I, just, I can hear you going, Damian Martinez, another one. Yeah, and, this, and they would stack it in the box. Like they Six just, more yards. They just stopped passing. They went through. I, I looked up. They had three straight touchdown drives with zero passes. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Did they attempt to pass the entire second half? Early in the they third quarter. They didn't complete a pass the entire second half? Yeah, something like that. Where, and they didn't attempt to pass in the fourth quarter. I know that. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, I'm no, so I'm worried. worried I'm worried. I'm worried about the game. I think it'll be closer than a lot of people are ready for. I think that this is... Similar to how this is the best Ducks team in a while, this is the best Oregon State team in a That's really true. long time. Like they are, they are really good. I don't think we're talking enough about how good of a season DJU is having. Like I realize it's not like five star status. I realize, he, he's not gonna be. He's not gonna be that player. He's not going to be the Trevor Lawrence replacement. He's not going to be, whatever. He's really good. This is a really, really good quarterback in a system that fits him well. And I think that that is enough to worry me. And I think that he won't go out and win the many games, but it's hard to, like, respectfully to Ben Gilbranson, their quarterback situation last year was a disaster, and they beat Oregon. This year they have a competent quarterback. They just don't have an elite quarterback. Yep. You know what I mean? That's kind of where I stand. The, the one thing I will say, if you're a Duck fan, cling to the fact that this is such a complete Oregon squad. You know what I mean? This this team can win a lot of different ways, and unfortunately for the Beavers, I think they, they win one way, and I think that's through the run game. They also have a pretty electric defense, to clarify. We haven't even talked about the Oregon State defense yet. They have a pretty, yeah. pretty good defense. I, just, I know that Oregon can win a lot of different ways, I guess, is the, the, my final take. I think take the away. way that they, uh, they usually win is by scoring more than the other team. Thanks, Austin. Yep. I, you know, looking at the defense, I don't remember. And I remember Keaton Oladapo because he is really good. He's a monster. He's really good. I don't know if you saw that play in Washington. It was a breakaway touchdown for Dylan Johnson. And Oladapo yeah. did this, like, flying punch out from behind to force a fumble. It's crazy. Uh, I don't – maybe I'm just, like, bad. But uh, I really don't remember any of these guys being on the team last year. I, I know that's not they, really they the point were, of the segment. They were on but the team last year. To cool. Clarify. Thanks. <laughs> Easton Moscarenas. Yeah, he was on the team last he's year. He's he's really good. He's he's fantastic. They have yeah they um. It's a really good, really really good team. Yeah, they are. They they're really good. I I, I just I, I think just I the rivalry. I just thing, miss Sean Mannion. I miss him too. I miss him so much. I just every day. Um, Oregon basketball, by the way, is currently up ten on Florida A and M with seven minutes left to go in the game. Fifty three to forty three. Seven and a half minutes. Um. We can, we're just going to blow through it. I don't even need another no break. More, no more breaks? No more breaks. I don't need another break. Let's talk Oregon men's basketball. Delete, now, delete, they're delete. up ten, 10 points, seven and a half minutes left to go. Um, we won't talk too much about this game. Obviously, we've been talking rather than watching. Um, I think the blaring red siren coming out of Matthew Knight right now is the injuries that have piled up through three and a half games already. Uh, Nate Biddle didn't play today with a wrist injury. Uh, and Foley Dante has not played since the first game with a leg injury. Who? Dante. Oh, I forgot he was on the team because mm. I feel like we haven't have seen him ever. Haven't played. Yep. Yeah. I guess 
Gavin. Uh, mm. This feels like that's disappointment. A really, that's a really good question. <laughs> this guy. this feels like disappointment already. I listen. I've been disappointed by the Ducks <laughs> before. This isn't disappointment yet. We're not even close. To okay. me, l- listen. When I'm looking at this team, yes, a lot of injuries. Yes, very concerning. Of the last three ga- of the three games that they have actually completed playing at this point. Um, <laughs> Five players against Tennessee State, five players against Montana, four players against Georgia in double figures. Very balanced offense coming out of this team. Rebounding is done pretty well. They haven't. The Georgia game is probably the best thing to look at right now because I think Georgia's actually a decent team. So, to me, when I'm looking at this team, we haven't seen them against any. Like, Georgia's good. Georgia's all right. We haven't mm. seen them against anybody decent, like really decent, like somebody who could be ranked by the end of the year, somebody who we know is going to be in the in March Madness by the end of the year. So to me, I haven't seen I haven't seen anything that's going to be like, oh, they should be ranked. Oh, they're going to be one of the best teams in the country, or oh, they're 100% going to March Madness. But I haven't seen anything to go, yeah, well, book your tickets for the NIT now because that's where they're going to be going. So I'm not right now. I don't. I have not seen anything out of this team that would make me concerned. I haven't seen anything. Yes, the injuries are like, okay, well, that's unfortunate. But we'll see how good they are right now. We'll see how long those injuries last. We'll see how many players we get back once we get into conference play. And to me, when I'm looking at this, I'm just going, okay, well, we'll see what happens. I'm not disappointed yet. I'm just going, all right, well, I'm. We'll see what happens. I've got at least a slightly positive outlook at this point. Still, I'm a big believer that this team should be ranked. I just think they're good. Like. I realize, I realize they haven't really played anyone. Georgia's still a Power Five school. Montana is a team that could make the tournament. Like Montana is good. Tennessee State okay. Florida A and M okay. Whatever. Like this team is good. One word. Bam. Bam Tracy. He's been really good. Bam Tracy is like a he's like a dude all of a sudden. Um, he was a guy that those JUCO transfers. You never really know what you're gonna get. I thought. Um, Tyrone Williams last year was going to be a stud. Um, he was not, and now he's gone. Um, <laughs> Bam Tracy's good. Like Bam, like he, just the the defensive intensity that he brings on that end, and then all of a sudden he's you know forty four percent from three on the year. Went three for four in the last game. Good rebounder, good facilitator. Has I I think eleven points right now. He like this is this is a guy that could be. A really good player. Um, he's been the most surprising. I think this team should be ranked. I think they're they're kind of on the bubble of, of top twenty five right now. The fact that they're winning the way they are without Enfali Dante, without Nate Biddle for a half, without either Mookie Cook or Jackson Jelstad, I think that says something. I do think that there is something to be said for winning without your guys. And so we can complain as like, oh, you know, it sucks that Oregon's missing these players. We can talk about that. Um I do think it's important to be like, hey, but they are finding a way to win. Yeah, I think that it would have been easy to lose that Montana game. I think even that Tennessee State game was like kind of tight for the three quarters of the game, and they pulled it out. Like, it is something we said to win. They're going against a bad, bad Florida A and M team right now. They're now up twelve with five and a half to go. Um, that there's something they have three double digit scores: Kuznards, Arzuela, and Tracy. Like there's something to be said for just winning. Um, and I do think to your point, Austin, if if they're able to get healthy, they 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 are a tournament team. I do think they finished the non-con ranked. Like I, I've got a lot of faith they're gonna finish yeah, the non-con ranked. I like that. Um, I just think after being here for two years of 
unbelievably disappointing basketball, this is refreshing. Like yeah. this is the most fun they've looked. And it looks like it looks like Dana Altman is finally comfortable like coaching his game again. Which yeah. it didn't really feel it like. It did the feel last like they went away from what they wanted to do the last couple of years. Right. And they're kind of back to what they want to do now. Um, looking ahead before we talk to women's basketball, they have Santa Clara and Alabama or Ohio State in the Emerald Coast Classic next week. And then the following week, if you are in Eugene, the place to be is Matthew Knight Arena. Uh, it's the Michigan game. It's going to be kind of crazy. They have a, a Nike T-shirt giveaway. They're going to also who's uh, who's putting those? Oh, thanks. It's funny to who's mention putting that. those T-shirts on the chairs. Levi? I'm not saying I'm a marketing intern, but I will say the marketing interns have a appointment after the volleyball game on Friday night. So at about 10 p.m. to lay out 12,000 T-shirts on every seat in Matthew Knight Arena. So please, I beg you, with tears in my eyes, come to Matthew Knight Arena December 2nd at 12:30 p.m. to watch Michigan. It's going to be crazy. It's a throwback game. They have a new logo, new T-shirts. It's cool. Um, my point is, though, I think that this non-con is not hard. After Michigan comes UTEP, California Baptist, Syracuse, Kent State, I think there's a pretty strong likelihood they f- they finish their non-con ranked. Um, and I think there's something to be said for, for finishing non-con ranked. Yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance that they finish non-con with one loss. Maybe one or undefeated. Two. Yeah, I'm, I'm certain that Alabama hate Ohio State. Yeah, but we'll see how that goes, you know. I, I Just to be completely honest, like I'm not – too in tune with Alabama or Ohio State basketball this year. I know Ohio State doesn't have uh, football. They're good football schools. They, yep. <laughs> Santa Clara, <laughs> apparently good women's basketball school. Yeah, let's talk <laughs> about Santa Clara women's basketball. What a segue. Um, <laughs> they uh, came into Matthew Knight. Cool, well, good was, conversation. That was home, right? That was yeah. at home, right? Yeah. No, mm-hmm. it was on that 81. That was at home. Um, they came into Matthew Knight and blew the wheels off Oregon women's basketball. So Oregon women's basketball falls to 3-1. and one. So far, they've beaten Northern Arizona, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Grand Canyon, and they lost by 39 uh, to Santa Clara. Uh, 39 uh, Austin, you're kind of the women's basketball guy. I know you call some of their games. I guess if you're a Duck fan and you haven't watched a women's basketball game yet, what? how would you describe this team? I think Santa Clara kind of took away the identity of this women's basketball team, which is playing big. And kind of slowing the pace down, which isn't always the most aesthetically pleasing basketball. I understand that, but it's, you know, it's won, the, won them games in the past. It's really hard when you lose Peyton Scott, who is maybe going to be your best player. Um, that to was tough to lose. First quarter, right? Right, five minutes in. Um, Santa Clara played small, and they played quick, and they shot a lot. Teams aren't going to shoot as well as Santa Clara did the other night against Oregon. You're not going to have a team come in and go 16 of 28 from three. It's just not going to happen. And uh, 15 of 22 for the first three quarters. Like, that's just not going to happen. Oregon is a good defensive team. They play great defensive rotations. They're athletic on the wing. That's not going to continue. That said, a team that shoots 28 threes against Oregon is going to have a lot of success. A team that's going to get those shots up. Oregon likes to play big, especially offensively. They're going to shoot their twos. They're going to get their... They're little 15-footers from GVS. They're going to get those layups from Philly Che and the second chances. So I think it was just a bad matchup for Santa Clara. I still think this team has a lot of potential. I think their starting five can match up with anyone in the nation. It gets a little darker after that, especially moving Kennedy Williams from the bench to the, the starting five. Becomes a little tougher. Don't really know who's going to step up. But that's just kind of an opportunity for someone like Sarah Rambis, who's had some cool moments so far. Uh Philippe Tilliander, who's got great basketball IQ, great in space. Um, someone like Sammy Wagner, who who had a really nice start to her year. 
Uh, Ula Chamberlain, who's been proven at the D1 level but took a year off, so has to get up to speed a little bit. All opportunities for them to, to kind of step up. I do think that there's something you said for basketball teams. When the game gets away from you, it can kind of balloon out of proportion real quick because then you kind of start to have to respond a certain kind of way, the way you're not comfortable with. So whenever there's a, a score like that, 39 points, Santa Clara was the better team. Let's be very clear about that. I also think that there is something you said for just like single game variants where like there is are that how you go to sleep at night after losing by 50 to the Thunder the other day. <laughs> exactly. Single game. Var- the Blazers are a good team. They've got good talent. Um, do I a just, breathe, baby. <laughs> I, just, I just think that uh, when Scoot comes back, what can you tell me about Rayon Repair? <laughs> Sorry, we're missing Drew Eubanks. That's what we're missing. We need him back. Um, I just think yeah. that there's somebody who said for just like falling behind big, and then you can't yeah. really recover from that. No, uh, and they really lost their. I love your point about them losing their identity and them not playing big. They got a hundred. They got out rebounded by ten, especially that twenty-eight defensive rebounds. No chance for second chance points there. Santa Clara was absolutely rebounding better that game. Shooting 21 threes, only hitting five. That's one of those situations where you start to look at that and go, they really weren't playing their game. Yeah. And to me, that's one of the things that I think they need to work on is they need to make sure that they do not lose who they are, where they are, what they need to do just because they've gone. And they were down by a lot. But honestly, I saw that 55-30 halftime thing come in and go, oh, ESPN must have made a mistake here. Because it's obviously the other way around. Yeah. That I looked and went, oh, no, no, it's really not no, the other way around. Not, yeah. Um, This, yeah, this team, they really, they just keep focused. Don't, the, what what matters is the single possession that's going on. Doesn't matter what's on the scoreboard. Win your offensive possession, win your defensive possession. That's all that really matters. Win offense, win defense. Don't worry about the scoreboard. Make sure that once it's a close game, you can worry about the scoreboard. But don't worry about the scoreboard when you're down 15, when you're down 25, coming out of halftime. Worry about winning on offense this one possession. Worry about winning on defense this one possession. Stay focused on the goal. Do not lose sight of it just because you're going down a little bit. And make sure that you're playing your style of basketball and not somebody else's. Next up for women's basketball, they're on the road in Reno, Nevada on Tuesday. They come back to Portland to play Portland in Portland on the 30th. We got about 60 seconds left, guys. Oregon, Oregon State, I want to hear your predictions. Two sentences, Austin, go. Mateo gets a sack and a half on his brother. I meant final score. Well, that's sentence number one. <laughs> uh, 35-24 Ducks. Mm. I was I was about to say 34-21 um, for the Ducks as well. I think that this is going – I think that DJ does not get – goes under 200 yards passing, one passing touchdown at maximum. I think that this is still a running game, and I think that Oregon shows up big on run defense. I think uh, Oregon wins this one 31-21, and I think Bo Nix has a Heisman moment. That's going to be my final takeaway. Perfect timing. Um, thank you so much for listening here on Monday. We'll be back for Quacksmack tomorrow on Tuesday. And make sure you tune in to KWVA for volleyball tomorrow. Excuse me, no Quacksmack, volleyball tomorrow. Then on Friday, we have Oregon, Oregon State here on KWVA. My name is Levi Berkthold, Gavin Carpenter, Osnoda. Great show tonight. Thank you for listening. In a minute, we're going to kick back to your regularly scheduled DJ here on KWVA 88.1 FM.
You've been listening to Quack Smack on KWVA. If you miss any portion of the show or just want to listen again, you can find the full show recordings online at kwvaradio.org. Plus, we're on Twitter at KWVA Sports. Join us again for our next episode tomorrow at 6 p.m. right here on KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM.